We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Doing great. Thanks, Patrick. Today we're going to talk about something. Uh, it's been something that's popped up once or twice, uh, just as I've been kind of reading stuff, paying attention to stuff, and and it struck me as perhaps worth a conversation. And the, a couple triggers to the conversation. One, um, I just kind of randomly. This was uh, I have a little article up here. When was this? In March, early March, I think. There was a uh, soccer player at Stanford University. Um, her name was Katie Myers or Katie Meyer. And she killed herself. Uh, and this came as a shock to everybody. Um, and this isn't really what we're going to talk about, but this is just kind of part of one of the triggers. So I just wanted to kind of lay it out as context. And one of the things that they believe that her parents believed were and worth saying, nobody saw this coming. They didn't expect it. There wasn't like all these warning signs. Um, as far as I can tell, as far as anybody can tell, she, Katie Meyer was a wildly successful, uh, athlete. Um, she was at Stanford, so clearly a bright young lady. Um, and so one of the things their parents said afterwards was that there was all this anxiety and stress to be perfect, to be, to be number one, that they believed had some kind of source or was some part of the source as to perhaps what happened. Um, and so that was kind of in the back of my head. And then we had a we had a, a good chat with uh, Dr. Nate Zinser. I have, I have his book here, Confident Mind. And one of the things in his book, he had this, I think he called it like the four pillars of uh, human performance or something like that. And we touched on it just very, very briefly in our conversation with him. Um, but one of the pillars, the second one was, you know, this idea of embracing imperfection, right? And and I've, I've actually just got a little marker uh, from the book here. It says, it's not the negative reaction you have to your human imperfection, it, or rather, it's the negative reaction you have to your human imperfection and not the imperfection itself that drains your mental bank account and prevents your first victory. And so those two things kind of coming together at roughly the same time just got me thinking about your take and your experience in working with athletes, high level athletes and, and everybody kind of, uh, on their way to being a high level athlete and how you have seen some of them deal with this idea of perfection, how you've seen some of them maybe get the, the best out of that idea of perfection of that pursuit of perfection, uh, how maybe you've seen some of them fall victim to, the downsides of chasing, uh, of chasing perfection. And so I don't really know where this conversation is going to go, but I just think I'm really curious your thoughts on your experience with the idea of like, you know, this, this idea of, of chasing perfection, this, this, this habit, just this goal and the anxiety that comes with chasing something as elusive as, 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 as impossible as perfection. So it, it's terrible that that ended up in the tragedy that I did with um, Katie, um, but it brings to light something that needs to be talked about. And I think that more people are talking about it now than they were before. And to your point, it's there. It's that uh, chasing up perfection, but we all kind of have this background knowledge that perfection is unattainable. Like yeah. it doesn't exist. As as Doctor Nate Zinger said, it's the 
you can't deny the imperfections of the of humanity. It's like mm-hmm. we are all imperfect in a numerous different ways. And there's a reason that we call this show Chasing Excellence, not Chasing Perfection. Right. It's Vince Lombardi saying we will... Um, um, he was saying that we will chase perfection with everything we have. And in that, knowing that perfection is completely unattainable and impossible, but in that pursuit, we will harness excellence. I think that Lombardi's approach um, is misguided because we've seen at the biggest extremes, the tragedies that could have. But then along the way, what Nate Zinger is talking about as well is every time you fall short of that protection, which will be every single time, yep. even if you are excellent as she was, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And this not enough thing is what eats people up inside and it can destroy. It can do anything from hinder to destroy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just puts a little imaginary glass ceilings that we can't bust through. Other time it just um, um, hinders our growth. Other times it turns us into... Um, monsters that eat ourselves into the point where sometimes it ends in someone taking their own lives. I'm a big fan. You know, we, we have a principle at our, in our business, which is stolen from Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, which is done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that I know you're a big fan of Seth Godin and his whole thing is ship it. Yep. Like it's, it's never going to be perfect it, what matters is that you've done something and accomplished it. Mm-hmm. We also use this internal um, method that's been borrowed from the lean startup, mm-hmm. um, Eric Reese. Reese or yep. Rice. Rice. Well, I don't, I don't know. Know. Yep. figure out how to pronounce people's last name at some point <laughs> on the show. Um, and hit the whole thing is came from the, the software industry of Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and it's build, measure, learn. Yep. And the old methodology used to be like, Make it perfect, as perfect as you possibly can before it's shipped, before it goes to the market. That's for automobiles, it's for televisions, it's for movies, because you don't get another chance to iterate upon it. Yeah, That makes sense when you don't get another chance to iterate on it. It doesn't make sense for software where Mm -hmm. you can put out version 2.0 in three days if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense for our lives. Like the idea we need to have is have experiences, mess up, and learn a ton from those experiences. Whether you mess up, whether you fall down, whether you come up short, whether you hit your target or exceed your target, is kind of secondary to the actual purpose of our lives, which is to have experiences and learn from those experiences. Mm -hmm. That is how we all grow, evolve, and move humanity forward is by doing that. And what ends up can end up happening if you put perfection as this is fixed mindset, growth mindset stuff. If you put perfection as the benchmark for where you pass the test, everything below perfection mm-hmm. is a fail. Yep. If you're constantly failing along the way, you're not going to jump into the arena. You're going to be on the sidelines. You're going to be a bystander. You're going to be watching life happen because you're so petrified to go up into anything that you know you're going to come up short with, which is in the long spectrum of our lives, so numerous we can't even count. Yeah. If you try to live your life in a, in a bubble where you're always going to be perfect, you're never going to leave the house. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, I think I, I've fallen victim to this for a long time in my life whether you call it fixed mindset or perfectionism um, or fear. Yeah. 
Um, to me, it's all the same thing. And I for sure had that in so many different areas from being afraid to be um, social, to asking the girl out, to um, taking the leap into something that I didn't think I'd be good at, like a certain sport, just to go and participate in it. And um, I think that in today's society with the exposure we have to other people's highlight reels mm-hmm. on social media, this idea that people live these perfect lives eats us up even more so than it did when I was going yep. through this and you know when I was so sensitive to yep. my own insecurities in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's something uniquely challenging about an athletic pursuit as it relates to this question. And I don't know exactly what that is. And I think maybe it's part of what I was curious about your take on in the sense of let's use CrossFit as an example. One event is the year for these high level athletes. You got one weekend, (laughs) everything rides on that, on that weekend. And so to be imperfect in that moment, or to have moments of imperfection, which of course everybody does, but to be to like really be faced with those moments of imperfection of if I'd done that rep, if I hadn't failed that rep, I'd made that rep, I would have got fourth place. If I got fourth place, like all these chain, this the chain of events, our imperfections as as athletes are seem so much more, so much louder, so much more obvious. And because it's sport, because it's it's there's this you know, it's this fixed nature of sport where you won or you lost. And you've only got so many chances at winning and losing before you're just done playing the game, right? Whether it's CrossFit or golf or whatever the, the sport might be. How do you, how have you seen, how do you, how do you help others navigate everything you just said, but in a context of like, yeah, I get life is full of experiences and I'm going to learn from this and I'll be better. I'll, when I'm 40, I'll look back on this and I'll be like, so glad I struggled with that. When it's like, I got a 24 year old athlete and we all know that you've got two more years <laughs> of competing at this level. And you just, and you just missed the rep that got you that whatever, you know, whatever the example might be, how do you navigate it in that environment or that specific arena where they're like showing up, they're ready to go, but imperfection is so much louder there and so much harder and so much easier. I imagine, of course, I've never you know been to the games, but so much easier to let it gnaw at you. You got a whole year to think about that rep you missed. (laughs) How do you not let that, how do you let that build you and not break you? Brooke Wells has a whole year of thinking about her yeah. stepping on the line. Yep. Right. She stepped yeah. on a line, her games ended. Yep. She was so fit, so ready that year. So yeah, that's that's tough. And that's why sport is such a great teacher. Yeah. If our if our goal is to continue to learn, grow, and evolve, um, sport is that ultimate teacher because there is a scoreboard, there is such immediacy, it is so loud. Yep. You know when you made a mistake. A lot of times in life we don't know if we made a mistake. We gossip about somebody behind their back, but no one's calling us out on right. that. No penalty. Yeah. No penalty flag. There's a there's a yep. yellow flag that's thrown when you make a mistake when you have a pass interference that's yep. going to cost your team the game. Yep. So that's why sport is so amazing and it is this valuable teacher. And you know, I can remember talking to my aunt a long time ago who was not she's an academic, and uh, she's like, "Sport is such a waste of time." Mm. And I didn't have a good argument back then, but it stuck with me for a long time. I was like, <laughs> "I don't think it is, but I just don't yeah. know why." Yeah. And she's like, "It doesn't prepare you for anything else in life. It's not you're not you're not." learning better um, arithmetic. You're not learning to be a better writer. You're not learning to, um, you know, memorize history or whatever it is. 
So sport is just for the enjoyment of the moment. And oh my God, is it ever the opposite of that? Yeah. I believe that you can learn all of life's greatest lessons through sport. Mm -hmm. So the answer to your question lies in exactly that. What we do is we rely on all the exact same principles that we talk about all the time on this podcast, which is the things that have become almost so commonplace that we talk about them that they kind of lose their value at a certain time. But tell me what it is that you have control over. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, everyone understands this at a fundamental level, but don't bring it into practice. Yeah. That's the difference. We were just talking about this before the show. Yep. People in businesses have core values. They put on their walls, but they don't bring it into practice. Mm -hmm. It's only when you operationalize this into your life that it matters. If you just have this as a theory, as a concept, yep. we haven't done a whole lot. It's yep. better than not having a concept at all. Yeah, at least you have the awareness that it exists somewhere, but it's only until you hold yourself to the fire of actually putting this into your life by saying, I no longer have control over that. Mm -hmm. And owning it, like really owning it. I no longer have control over the fact that I just stepped on that line. Yep. So what do you do at that point? It sounds too simple. It's really hard to do. You let it go. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. If you hold on to that, you're carrying around an extra, it's called baggage, yep. an extra weight vest, chains. You're slowing yourself down. You cannot progress. And this is like a year to a year thing. Obviously, like, okay, after a few months, I can let that go. Yep. But what about when you get called for a no rep and everyone else is advancing mm -hmm. past you? Mm -hmm. You're now around down from, you have to learn to let it go in that moment. And this is why, you know, we had Stephen Kotler on. He talked about a flow state. Yep. A flow state is there is no judgment. Yep. This is what we're trying to, if we could all live in this state where there is no judgment judgment it's not that there's no thoughts mm -hmm. thoughts are okay yep it's when you're judging along the way when you lay that good or bad upon it now all of a sudden this is going to pull you away from present moment because in this present moment there is no good or bad but mm -hmm. thinking makes it so what we need to do is just try to pull back principle number two first one is it under my control or is it not? If it is not, we got to let it go. And then from there is, am I projecting out and judging? Am I trying to lay value on what this means later on down the road? So Tom Brady throws an interception in the Super Bowl. If he projects out to what this means for the, the rest of the game, he's now going to perform less than he would have otherwise. You cannot perform as well in a negative or even as in a positive state as you can in a flow state yep. in a flow state there is no good or bad this is awesome we're killing them yep. watching the ncaa tournament the other mm. night, the championship game north carolina was up by 16 at one point if they get all like and you could see in the coach the yep. coach goes this is fun mm. we're having fun you're positive yep no you like sit in the flow state don't judge whether this is yep. good or bad just stay in this moment and when this moment happens bad things can happen and they don't you don't fall off on them now that takes some practice because those things that set you off, that get you knocked down are called triggers. Triggers come in a good way or a bad way. And the trigger could be a no rep, a penalty. You finish in last place in an event, you get knocked outside the top 10, yep. whatever it is. Yep. A trigger could also be the opposite. 
which you win, win an, an event. Yeah. The judge gives you miscounts and gives you five extra reps, and now all of a sudden you're ahead. And all of a sudden you go like, "Woohoo! That's yep. better than the opposite. It's <laughs> definitely better than the opposite." Yep. But what we want to do is get to a place where those triggers aren't affecting us as much. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure, as Zinzer talks about, if we have a negative and we feel ourselves, we become aware of that. That's mm-hmm. the trick. Mm-hmm. So all these principles that we talk about in real life are the same principles we talk about with our elite athletes. Control versus control. Stay present. Don't judge. Become aware of your thoughts so that you can help control your emotions, which will lead to a physiological response, either stress-induced closing up or positive-induced opening up, which will lead to a performance gain or a performance um, detriment. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's why these teams go on these runs in these basketball games because they start feeling good and then all of a sudden they start feeling bad. But if you just stay Mm. practiced, non-judgmental, you know, Kobe Bryant, pretty darn good at this. Michael Jordan, pretty darn good at this. Michael Phelps, pretty darn good at this. The teams that are able to just kind of stay where they are. Mm -hmm. And it takes just like getting better at thrusters, pull-ups, running and rowing, it takes practice. You can't just get to the games and go like, I'll turn it on there and I'll just ignore the noise when I get there. We have to learn and practice this all along the way. And the biggest one is awareness. Mm -hmm. It's an understanding when you're getting pulled down on it so you can get yourself back on track. Mm -hmm. What is the, um, what is the allure of perfectionism? In other words, why, like, why is it, why does it have such a hold in your mind on, athletes, but really kind of anybody. Like, I think, I don't think it's, it's specific, obviously to athletes, but is it, is there some safety in perfectionism? Is there like, like, I always think about like, what are we getting out of this? (laughs) What are we getting out of this thing that is obviously negative or at least more often than not negative. Right. And so I I think about complaining. Well, what, what do we get out of complaining? Why do we keep doing it? What, what is it, in what ways is it making us feel safer or more comfortable? And so the same question of perfectionism, like what is it there that we think it's doing? And then we're kind of just closing our eyes to the to what it's actually doing. It's all based off of feeding the ego. Mm-hmm. So whether it's talking about complaining, as you said, the reason human beings complain is to gain is to for two reasons. It's either to gain control over an uncertain world. Yeah. The world is uncertain. We hate that as human beings. So we complain about it. We complain about the weather, which we have no control over. We complain about politics, which we have very little control over. We complain about um, the neighbors and the teachers and society and the, whatever it is. So by complaining about it, we're gaining some sense of control mm. like internally. Yep. Ego goes like, yeah. And the other side of that is when you complain about other people, you're pushing them down. There's no faster, easier way to elevate yep. your ego than diminishing others. Um, <clears throat> when you complain about anyone in opposition, um, that's the best way to do that. Yep. Perfectionism is doing the exact same thing because what they're not, they're not seeing the negative effects, just like the complainers don't see the negative effects. They're just going like, no, this is like, it is yep. cold outside. Yep. I'm just stating facts, man. Yep. Like, okay, but you're not serving yourself and that's what they don't see. Mm. It's the hitting costs of it. Perfectionism, they go, I'm trying to be perfect. When I'm perfect, there's no faults. Mm-hmm. If there's no faults, my ego can't take a hit anywhere. It's the yeah. ultimate armor. Yep. I am un I am bulletproof. I can't be hurt. I am unshakable. I am the I get all the awards, the mm-hmm. accolades, the attention. All of it is going to happen when I am there. 
But the problem is just like the complaining is you're just creating this completely negative state, putting off all the wrong, getting kind of like a little bit, but all the wrong vibrations out. Mm -hmm. We are nothing but, okay, let's go here for a second. (laughs) We are nothing but vibrations. That's literally, so Newtonian physics was all about like, you're made up of matter. It's matter, right? Okay, but when we drill down into that quantum physics, when you get down to the quantum level of it, if you look at yourself, you see a bunch of cells. When you dial that down, you see a bunch of DNA. When you dial that down, you see a bunch of atoms. When you dial that down, you see nothing. <laughs> you see space. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's inside of an atom, it's just all space. It's just emptiness. It's all just a bunch of vibrating waves. That's all it is. There's if if the size of a proton was the size of an apple, the next closest electron would be the size of a grain of salt, mm-hmm. a lot smaller, and it'd be two kilometers away. Mm. That's how much space is inside of us. Mm-hmm. All that space is affected by your mood, mm-hmm. by your energies, by your... This is why like complaining matters. This is why you striving for perfection and never getting there. It's negative, 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 negative is going to destroy you. We have to ha- embrace realities, the harsh realities sometimes, that... We're going to let up goals. This is, if you're a soccer goalie, and Zinzer talks about this in his book, if you are a soccer goalie, the first thing you have to recognize is that there's going to be 90% of the games, you're not going to shut them out. Mm -hmm. Letting goals go past you has got to be a regular, especially if you're like a female lacrosse goalie. Like my daughter plays division one lacrosse and the scores are like, you know, 21 to 17. Yeah. So 21 times during that game, they you need failed. to turn around <laughs> and pull the ball yeah. out of the net and give it back to the referee. You have to get really good at recognizing what this is. If you're a tennis player, you're not going to win every point. If you're a whatever it is in athletics, there's going to be no one goes through a basketball game without committing a foul, a team. No team commits it goes without committing a team foul. You're going to have turnovers. You're going to miss shots. Like this understanding of this reality is actually the thing that creates the most, it's the opposite of what most people think. Understanding the realities of the faults and the misses is the thing that actually creates the highest level of competitiveness. Mm -hmm. What we want in life is not people that are weighing their whole existence on a pass-fail, a perfection X's and O's, ones and zeros, binary perfectionism or failure. Mm-hmm. And realizing that it is this messy thing in between. And what actually matters is not the scoreboard, not the circumstances, the goal went past you, not any event that is outside your control, but only this is the highest level of competitiveness is how is am I working on my character to respond to those circumstances Mm -hmm. three goals went in in a row three goals against us went or now we're down three nothing in the championship game from there the only thing that matters is how we respond in a competitive fashion to that circumstance Mm -hmm. i think of it in terms of like a xy axis on the vertical you have the event the event that's happening on 
the um, horizontal axis, you have um, character. Mm-hmm. So you have circumstances and you have character. What the least competitive people do, including perfectionists, is they focus solely on the circumstances. So they're in the high left-hand corner. Mm-hmm. What we want to be is in the low right-hand corner where it, we don't focus at mm. all on the circumstances. Mm. The circumstances don't matter to us whatsoever. It doesn't matter if it rains. It doesn't matter if we're down by 20. The score will take care of itself. What we have to focus on is how we are responding, our character. Mm-hmm. Think of the Navy SEALs going to kill bin Laden. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that happened mm-hmm. was their helicopter crashed. Yep. Imagine if they were so focused on circumstances. Yep. Like, damn it, Billy, <laughs> you crashed it. What are we, yeah. da- yep. They're not... We're going home. We're going home. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, there goes perfection. Yep. It was not a perfect mission. Yep. It wasn't. Yep. They're so dialed into how do we respond to events. This is our lives. When I say we want to learn from our, this is the purpose of our lives, it's not what you said, like, okay, in, I'm 22 and in, when I'm 40. Yep. No, no, no. It's 22 and right then we're, we're adapting. Mm-hmm. Right then, it's not trying to gain the lessons out of it. The adaption, the evol- evolution, the growth is the character that happens right then in that moment. Mm-hmm. In that Now, a lot of this takes perspective. Yep. We have to wait a day, a week, a month, a year, or until we're 40 to look back and go like, oh, actually, I learned a lot from that. What we all want to be doing is hindsight in the present moment. That's perspective. Right now, can I see what I... And as it's happening, when your wife says something to you or your kid says something to you or boss says something to you, you read something on social media that triggers you in a certain way, can you become aware of that? And then in that moment, recognize that it's up to your character, not the circumstances, not what they said, how they acted, how they behaved, or how you were affected, but how are you going to bring your best self to that moment, even though that's happening. And when we do this, this yields the greatest competitor, because what you're now looking for is those circumstances Mm -hmm. that challenge you. Because if you have homeostasis, if you have comfort zone, you never get to work on the character traits. While you're watching Netflix, having your bowl of cereal, <laughs> yes, <laughs> your vice, your guilty pleasure, when you're doing that, yep. like there's, dude, you're you're in pleasure mode. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you're good. You're all good. It's when you're doing that and your kid spills the cereal. And then change the channel, how to respond to that moment right then and there. Mm-hmm. When you flipped out of pleasure mode into challenge mode. Mm-hmm. And that's what true competitors are. True competitors are, okay, this competitiveness thing has been totally misunderstood. They see little Johnny crying after the Little League game, after a loss, and go, oh, he's just so competitive. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. He's a sore loser. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Competitiveness is the person that wants the challenge and is not, and is actually the loss recognizes that as the chance for a huge opportunity for growth. It's Rafael Nadal in the greatest tennis match ever playing halfway through in the third rain delay for over an hour against Roger Federer. His dad coming in trying to console him because he just went down in the match. Mm-hmm. He goes, dad, dad, I'm good. He may win this match, but I will not lose. Mm-hmm. 
that's competitiveness. Mm -hmm. It's not hoping that your competitor stumbles, falls, trips, or makes mistakes. You want the best from them so you can go out and get the best out of you. That's what perfectionism is not doing. What perfectionism is doing is going like, I just want to be the best. Mm -hmm. I just want to be perfect so no one can point out any sort of anything. It's okay to make mistakes. When you want to make a mistake. So you asked your original question was when somebody makes a mistake in the games and they only have this one opportunity or in the Olympics and they only have this one opportunity. How do you get past it? This is the chance. Mm -hmm. This is a chance to do all the things we worked on. Michael Phelps diving in for winning the 100-meter butterfly, and when he dies in, his goggles fill up with water. True story for his 18th gold medal, the one that's going to set him apart from everybody else. His goggles filled with water. What did he do? He didn't, he didn't hesitate for a second. It wasn't, woe is me. It wasn't weighing and measuring, like, is this good or bad? It's not perfect now. It's not perfect. It wasn't that at all. Let's go. I've trained for this. I can respond to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. Thinking about young athletes out there, CrossFit, golf, whatever the heck, whatever they're, whatever they're out there playing, what would you do as a coach to get that athlete starting to, on this path versus the perfectionism path? And, and maybe kind of a, a sub-question in there is, is there something about the time we're living in, you kind of mentioned the everybody's highlight reel, et cetera, that is that makes this so much harder for a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid, I'd call them kids, today than maybe even five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, what do you do with, how do you, as a coach, help an athlete, help a young athlete start in this direction and not fall victim to the the trap of perfectionism? So to answer the, the, uh, the easier, quicker one first is, yes, I totally believe it's much harder now than it was when we were 16, 17, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, just the, 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 the celebration of success on social media and how everyone, you think everyone's driving a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I just came across this stat that if you, so it looks like everyone's a a, a gazillionaire. Everyone makes a million, it looks like millionaires. It looks like a million dollars is the old hundred thousand. Like everyone should just like, if you buckle down, you're going to make a million dollars. And I'm going to get this stat wrong and somebody can email us or something, but it's some astronomical. We were talking about this with my neighbors the other day, how small it, it, the actual population of the world that makes a million dollars. It's something like the 0.0001% mm-hmm. make a million dollars. And even in the United States, it's like not that much farther off than that. And if you make... 200 or $300,000, you're still at this like crazy levels of wealth. But yeah. society has told us that if you don't have a Lamborghini, mm-hmm. if you don't have your own jet, if you're not, um, you know, flex, flexing <laughs> left and right, yeah. that you're, you haven't made but it yeah, yet. Yeah. And that's just not true. It's just not true at all. So I can see why perfectionism, the bar has been set so high and everyone's coming up short and it crushes them. For young athletes... First one is dispel that myth, bring a, bring a level of awareness to them. But even more so than that is celebrate, celebrate challenges, especially the ones that don't end in successes. Mm. 
So it's easy to look at Kansas in the NCAA and go like, look, see, they were down by 16 and they came back. I just had this conversation with my nine-year-old Bodie Mm -hmm. and um, he loved to lean into like how they came back. And I was like, let's talk about like the other side of it, like the, the teams that don't come back from that. It's still a success because they rose to the challenge. It's when you're a kid, um, strikes out three times in Little League, gets up to the plate and has a really good at bat. Mm-hmm. And maybe, um, but it's a really good at bat. Like in baseball terms, maybe he, they um, he's down quickly 0-2. He fights back to a three and two count, fouls off four balls in a row, and then um, um, strikes out swinging at a nasty some nasty splitter yep. like that type of thing. That's a really high quality at bat. Yep. Or he line drives it right back to the shortstop, like just like a Solid super contact. quality, yep. Yep. awesome contact on the score sheet. It looks like an out, but you celebrate those things. Like celebrate. It's Tony Gwynn said, you know, like Hall of Fame baseball player. After the game, he would go through in his med, the in his mind, the mental rolodex of every single at bat and every single pitch Mm -hmm. and then what he would do is then any of the bad ones he would just file away as like those didn't exist Mm -hmm. it's the golfer i think it was uh i'm gonna get it wrong but it's either jack nicholas or um, greg norman or one of those guys um and a reporter asked him um about a three putt that he had uh about how many times he's three putted which in golf is kind of like you've kind of messed up. Yeah. You're always supposed to make it in two putts. Yeah. Make Most it one. people it's normal, but for, for me, for I, a pro, yeah. For me, yeah. <laughs> it's three once you get within three feet. That's right. I, I like, uh, yeah. Um, but for a pro, a three putt is yeah, like the whole winter ride. Yeah. And his answer was, I've never three putted. <laughs> and that's just, a, it's a selective memory. And that's just, it's, um, it's a way to kind of like, you know, just, you don't have to dwell on the negatives, but I would with young athletes is really highlight the challenges where there was a good character response, Mm -hmm. regardless of what the outcome was. Mm -hmm. So even if the Patriots, you know, when they're down 28 to three with three minutes left in third period, third quarter against the um, um, Falcons in that Super Bowl, even had they not come back all the way, if I'm watching that game with my son, I am going, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. That, not like, I can't believe they lost. Like every single time you have a chance to layer in good character, regardless of outcome. It's mm. better when the outcome is negative. Yeah. That's so amazing. If you're pissed off that they lost, like, oh my gosh, what a fight they gave back to come back from that deficit when they could have just folded and they fought for that. That's such a good character response. And kids are products of yeah. their surroundings. When you... Get excited about that, they will get excited about that. But if they see you only respond to the outcome at the end, which you really have very little control over, you gotta you gotta highlight the response and the way that they react to these things, not the end outcome of the wins and losses. Love that. Cool. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you. That was great. Um, thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing. Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.